back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. If this is your first time here, I'm so excited to have you. I'm Sabrina, and I'm an evolutionary astrologer. And I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about a lot of different topics that surround being on a personal development path or exploring spirituality. And to have an opportunity to talk to some really amazing minds and co-create some electric conversations. Some of the episodes on this podcast, like today's, are astrological in nature, and some are not about astrology at all. The ones that are astrological, I always create access points so that if you're very new to studying astrology or you haven't studied it at all, that you can still find your way into the episode, know what we're talking about, and perhaps be and perhaps have your curiosity peaked to go look up more about astrology. If you check out my website, monarchastrology.com, I write weekly astrology forecasts and I also teach an online intensive and the next one will be opening up in January thereabouts. So get on my mailing list so that you can be updated about when the course is open for enrollment. Today's episode is about the Taurus Scorpio mysteries. So what are the Taurus Scorpio mysteries? In evolutionary astrology, the zodiac polarities are very key to tune into. These are the opposite signs like Aries and Libra or Taurus and Scorpio, Gemini and Sagittarius, etc. And just by meditating on these polarities, profound insights about the nature of reality will open up because you get to make connections that you wouldn't have necessarily made on your own. And then suddenly you can see these connections everywhere because you can't actually have one sign of the zodiac without also having its opposite. You can't even have one sign of the zodiac without having all other 11. They're all super interconnected. And studying astrology at a deeper level gives us more meditations on what aspects of reality are connected in what ways. For example, signs that are 60 degrees from each other have a harmonious relationship and you can meditate on why that is when you think about Aries and Gemini or any of the other sextile combinations. Now we are getting into really nerdy territory, but believe me, if you spend time on your own meditating on the geometry between different zodiac signs, you are going to have a wild expansion in consciousness that may inform a more skillful life. It's pretty much that simple. And it is, I think, maybe creating like new synaptic connections in the brain. That's what it feels like. When I get new insights about astrology, I feel tingly in my body. Anyway, So the opposition, the polarity is 180 degrees. It's like relationship. It's like a seesaw. It's two sides of the same coin. And that's what we're exploring in Taurus and Scorpio. Taurus and Scorpio are a tantric axis. Taurus is sensual, yes, and Scorpio sexual. We may have heard this. You probably have if you hear anything about astrology. And Taurus and Scorpio are both 
both sensual and sexual. It's not like they each one has like a monopoly on those qualities. But Taurus relates to our relationship with ourself and our environment. So food and clothes and textures, feeling luxurious, our physical possessions, how we relate to our physicality. Taurus is also how complete we can be in ourselves, yet receptive to resource and pleasure and simply feeling good in our bodies and feeling rooted in our self-worth. That's a receptivity piece. I want you to think about that. Sometimes we think that self-worth is about getting. If I have this, if I look this certain way, etc., etc., then I can feel good. Then I can feel worthy. But what if it was just a subtle point of receptivity? And yes, it's a mystery because you have to find your way into it. Scorpio relates to our urge to merge. Maybe you've heard that one. Our desires and drives that compel us and perhaps obsess us. We get fixated and intense and go down rabbit holes of research and we can't stop thinking about something, that kind of thing. The conversation between the two signs can determine how magnetic we are, how receptive we are to receiving what we actually desire versus how stagnant and blocked we might be. And the conversation between Taurus and Scorpio also relates to our clarity and our commitment to value, to focus upon and cultivate our values at a deep, aware level versus our entanglement and involvement with toxicity just because it's all we know or all we think that we are worth. You know, Scorpio is about merging, but what are we merging with? When we talk about cutting cords or something like that, if you, you know, have someone that you can't stop thinking about and it's toxic and it's over, but it feels like there's that cord between you, You know, it's that kind of thing. What are these unconscious cords and attachments that we have in different situations? And getting really clear about what those are and making different connections that are more empowered, right? So that's just a little bit about what we're going to be getting into. On today's episode, I couldn't be more excited to share a conversation about Taurus and Scorpio with you that I had with fellow astrologer Arakai Moon, who by kismet alignment happened to be in Bali at the same time as me. Arakai Moon is a shamanic body worker and evolutionary astrologer whose finesse and working with and naming subtle energy is truly inspiring. She and I met for the first time at last year's Northwest Astrological Conference and talked deep into the night, realizing that we had a connection. And not only had we been immersed in the same vein of astrology for years, but we'd also both come into contact with our own power through very Plutonic experiences in 2012 when Pluto was squaring our suns, which I'll leave more to this episode And you can also listen to the second episode of this podcast for my own story. Arakai spent six years in the jungles of Costa Rica, merging deeply with the land, plants, and animals. How cool is that? Like just getting to be in the presence of someone who has merged so deeply with that landscape. Wow. 
I think you will soon tell from tuning into her presence just how truly enchanting and perceptive she is. Before we dive in, I'll share one of the most recent reviews of the podcast. Thank you for reviewing. It's really helpful. It helps the algorithm and helps more people find this show. And if you love this content, give it a boost. Give it a signal boost. This last one is from I Dare Say. Absolutely wonderful star emoji. If you're on a deeper spiritual path, you're an advanced soul, and you want to sit down and have a steaming cup of tea with truly inspiring souls, then this is the place for you. I'm savoring each mind-blowing episode, feeling like I've found more of my own cosmic pack. Subscribe. Thank you, I dare say. If you go ahead and leave a review for this podcast on iTunes, send me a screenshot of the review and I am working on a free gift for reviewers. So I will take down your email and when that free gift is ready, I will send that over to you. Now here's the episode, the conversation with Arakai Moon. Hello everyone, I am coming to you from a beautiful villa in Bali with my friend and colleague Arakai and we are going to be talking about a tantric relationship with the earth and Taurus and Scorpio and whatever other magic arises in this conversation. Um, Arakai, before we start, will you share with the audience a little bit about yourself, what kinds of work you do? and what brought you to this path. Mm. Hello, everyone. It's so good to meet you. And thank you so much, Sabrina, for this amazing invitation um, and for your mastery and the way that you weave people together in this way. Thank you. I'm so excited to be recording with you. You say things that inspire and change my life. Mm. This is very special to me that we're here. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. Um, Both of our conversations that we've had has left me feeling so inspired and electric. Um, Yeah. And so the opportunity to record it is just made that inspire and electrify the hearts of everyone else around (laughs) as it does me Um, so viscerally. Um, so yeah, my name is Arakai Moon and I'm an astrologer. I'm, I'm an evolutionary astrologer. I've been working with the bodies for like 10 or about eight years now as a shamanic body worker and a jungle herbalist. So I lived in Costa Rica for um, five and a half years, spent a lot of time with the plants there and the, and the animals and, and the people. So right now, predominantly, I'm working with astrology. And so I'm an evolutionary astrologer and I work with people to find their codes inside of how the planets are aspecting and dancing with one another and how that depicts their deepest core desires and subconscious processes. And so what I think is so beautiful about astrology is like one of the things is that it really does show us what the deepest desires of our soul is and how these archetypes can live inside of us. And because of social conditioning and all of the karma trauma things that happen, our desires 
are contorted and manipulated and, and suppressed. And, and so when we start to speak to these archetypes and these planets and see what is the way that they're really wanting to be expressed, then we can start to kind of shift that into its higher octave and essentially take people's codes and people's deepest desires and, and illuminate them. And so that they're invited to step deeper into that knowing and, and express it in this highest way instead of being like, oh, I'm so scared of this other thing. So I never want a relationship. And it's like, oh, well, you might actually deeply want that. And so astrology is a huge permissioning. And, and also, I just love to work with it in the way of like being a magician, you know, like how, how are we able to, you know, jump into the archetypes and the elements and let them infuse us and, and really let them dance and, and muse through us in, in almost a shamanic way. Yes. You know, there's, I mean, evolutionary astrology, as the listeners may know, is the kind of astrology that I practice as well. And I think of it as like a jungle astrology in a yes. sense, because we're going into the wild depths of our soul and other people's souls and kind of how like at nighttime, the shadows on the trees um, or the shadows of the trees look like these strange figures. There's something about the deep psyche that has these layers of, Mm. you know, distortions per se, um, Mm. confusion even, or like twisted kind of things about it. And that when we start to unravel it and find out what our true nature and our true desires are, we can gain more empowerment, more clarity, more laser-like free will. It's one of my favorite ways that Pluto has been described. And so you have literally lived in the jungle before. And I would love to know more about kind of your your life leading up to this path. What have been some of the major things that have brought you to this kind of depth oriented astrology and maybe other things that you feel have influenced your practice? Right. Um, The jungle has definitely influenced everything about my, my life and my practice. And, um, you know, originally I actually came to astrology 12 years ago when I was like 21 and 22 years old, coming from a psychological perspective, you know, I was studying psychology and sociology and I was raised in extreme form of Christian, <laughs> of evangelical Christian. And I, and I was just starting to come out of that and, and really start to peel through the layers and press the envelope to everything and, and try to see like where we've been brainwashed and where, what makes people the way that, that we are and why. And taking that from the lens of Christianity and then also into places in the Philippines as a missionary and in orphanages and then taking astrology into the strip clubs and jail and drug <laughs> treatment programs. <laughs> we got to slow down. <laughs> Let's back up to these different locations. Um, what's going on here? <laughs> So I guess what's going on for me is that when what I'm explaining is that that's how I came to astrology is like from a psychological perspective and then taking it into the different chapters of my life, like which was in the strip club, then it was in a drug treatment program in jail and it was also in in church. And so I was taking astrology and always like 
bringing the the archetypal lens to all the people that I met there. And that's how I started to to learn the archetypes and the characteristics is is through these really fascinating places where there's some like 12th house places too. Right. And it's also but also like in in tourist places. I mean strip club is like where everyone oh, yeah, not has strip club. Right. Tourist oh, Scorpio, okay, okay. Sure, <laughs> I was like, that's Taurus Scorpio. Drug treatment in prison. Right. As uh, 12th house. But okay, so the Taurus Scorpio stuff and strip club dynamics, that's super fascinating. Right. And it's like, this is where people, for one, it's all about social dynamics and power and manipulation and deep core desires. And, you know, and it's also where people are putting their masks on and they're also taking their masks off. It's like the most raw and vulnerable and naked places for some people, you know? And so it's a very fascinating place. It seems like energy exchange stuff too, because learning with Taurus and Scorpio, um, if there's an imbalance, that's maybe where there's those power battles or trying to get or extract things. Did you ever see it appear kind of like an equal dynamic or like an empowered exchange? Oh, and an empowered exchange. I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of women that go into that space that feel very powerful and liberated. Um, some say it's like the most liberated they've ever felt by just being a woman and having what they have wanted and then giving, having that framework around money and, and these boundaries and this protection of the club and the, and the system and this, you know, sisterhood and all the things that go along (laughs) with the strip club. Um, there's definitely ways in which you can play with how does this feel empowered and how does this feel an appropriate exchange? You know, the men are going there for a reason too. And a lot of it actually isn't just sexual, you know, it's very much the, the stripper becomes the the sex therapist in a different way. And, and, and the, a lot of psycho, if you're a good, um, dancer and therefore, um, hustler and therefore a very good courtesan essentially, then most of them are skilled in the arts of seduction. And that is very psychological and very emotional. And where these people are, are really wanting a, a space to be seen and, and fed in different ways than just like, let me seduce you in a very sexual, yes, grotesque way. Most of them really long for something deeper. Cool. We we have got to come back to this Taurus Scorpio discussion. And um, I just want to loop back around to some of the sequence of events that brought you to where you are now. Right. And I'm, I feel the Pluto. <laughs> I feel like why you're attracted to the Pluto school, you know, having these significant events um, or interactions in your life thus far. But right. Yeah. And so there's a big motorcycle wreck that happened in the middle of me being a strip club bartender and, and, you know, again, taking, how old were you? So it was in 2010. And so a car hit me head on, on my motorcycle. And in that moment, a lot of my psychic vision and everything that I had shut down from you know, when I left the church, I essentially shut down my psychic vision. It was like, oh, okay, if this wasn't real, then everything I was seeing 
and navigating in the spirit realm was not real either. And so I pushed spirituality out and including my psychic vision out of my life for a couple of years. It was only like two and a half years. And I, I went headfirst into this other domain of, of scorpionic realms, Taurus realms of money and, and sex and power and, and learning you know, the psyche of people really. And again, those deep desires, what makes us tick, what propels us, you know, and how are we covering that up? And so with that, that wreck, all of it came back. And so I was really able to not only feel these different dynamics going on inside of, of these intense environments that I, I put myself in essentially as soon as I had moved to the big city. Um, but I was able to psychically see them again. And so while the people I was seeing the entities hiding in the roofs and waiting for the people to become unconscious and for them to sneak in and start to express themselves through the people watching people being addicted, you know, addicted to drugs were allowing that, that those spirits to kind of move and, and emanate through them and seeing it in a very intense way. Um, and so that led me on to a, a huge spiritual awakening and, you know, at first I, of course, thought I had gone completely insane and, and I was instantly guided to my teachers. And, and so it was a very divinely orchestrated event, <laughs> a very divinely orchestrated moment in my life. And so it was actually amazing. Um, I ended up healing myself of everything that was wrong from the motorcycle wreck, but also everything that had been wrong before endometriosis and lots of other things. And so I really brought myself up in, into this powerful place of physical healing, but tremendous psychic and, and emotional and, um, yeah, just, just psychic attunement, you know, finding all the places where it was in my organs and just, you know, just, just an awakening and, and finding ways where, how I could bring that psychic vision from, you know, my entire life growing up in the church to then coming full circle and bringing it into these d different kinds of worlds of, um, more shamanism and, and, you know, rituals with the moon and, and the plants. And then that took me to the jungle. And so I spent five and a half years in deep ceremony in the jungle and, working with people's bodies and, and always working with people with my psychic vision of seeing, you know, past lives and traumas and bacterias and cancers and all the things that I was seeing psychically. I was always seeing them through the body as I was doing this, this form of body work and, and sound healing. And all the while I was bringing astrology in with it, but I was never tracking that the entities or the diseases or the traumas and the past lives that I was seeing and, and working with people in was also connected to their chart or to the planetary transits. And so that's how the jungle and, the, and my, you know, relationship with the plants kind of heightened the attunement of my psychic vision to where I started tracking that when Uranus would transit somebody, what I was seeing was actually their trauma signature of Uranus or their expression of that. And so what I would relate it to is imagine Uranus coming through the vibration of Uranus and there's like a prism in the world and Uranus shines through that prism. And then there's a full spectrum of expressions of how that person and all of our human consciousness can express Uranus 
you know, yes, multivalence. Exactly. And so I was like, Oh my God, if, if this is all depicted in the chart, then actually learning how, how to, to work with people in this language, because my psychic vision is all of a sudden given a filter and a language that people can understand and that other people can work with, you know? And so that's why I gave, (laughs) exactly. That's why I was like, okay, this is, this is my life now. And I gave myself completely to astrology and was like, okay, this is how I want to work with people. I don't want to physically go in there and be doing all the work all the time. It was very energetically and psychically exhausting for me physically and everything. And so now I'm working with people by looking at their chart. How can we heal these distortions in people's psyche and in their field in relationship to the planets? And so they can start to mend that relationship and that karma, because I think we've really created a lot of karma with these planets. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. (laughs) And the ways that you talk about the archetypes excite and electrify me Mm. so much because you have these wisdom teachings about all of the signs and the planets that are so deeply embodied in your Mm. experience and your ability to receive direct transmissions from the planets, which is also in our conversations, we've talked about that being our goals as astrology teachers, like helping people to get the transmission because the academic side of astrology and reading things in books can be so inspiring. It can give us tons of information, but ultimately the astrology practice I think is about having a direct relationship with these beings and getting messages. And so the ways that you have combined this deep kind of penetrating awareness of power and energy exchange and ways that maybe people are leaking their desire or trying to be manipulative. And then the archetypes and your spiritual vision is really conducive to a psychologically sound astrology, you know? So like seeing through the self-limiting beliefs, but also seeing through the distortions of the archetypes. So when it comes to talking about like what power is and how do Taurus and Scorpio relate with each other. Um, I kind of want to dive into that in terms of, yes, like what is a good way or an ideal way for us to access our own power? And what do you see as the kind of um, maybe jungle that we're wandering through on the way towards empowerment, if Mm, that makes sense? Totally. And I I also just think that what we were speaking to before about this direct transmission and relationship with the archetypes and the planets being something that takes astrology from, you know, in a more conceptual and mental understanding, it's kind of the difference between religion and a spiritual trans transcendence, a spiritual transmission, you know, and I guess why I say that in response to what you just asked is that us finding our power inside of these codes, inside of what, of what these planets and these archetypes have for us and, and our reaction, our response to them, um, us finding our power inside of that, I think comes to, from being able to fully, almost like grab a hold of like this, this is a part of me, 
and it's something bigger at the same time. And, and so we have to take responsibility, I think, because a lot of times we, we see these things and it's like, oh, it's this toxin. Oh, it's this entity. Oh, it's this thing coming outside or coming inside and I need to take it out. I need to detox it. I need to, you know, take it out of myself when it's actually like we need to heal it from the inside out, you know, and, and through that, I think is a part of that scorpionic journey of like really taking it in and diving deep and merging with that which we are merged with really and and then transforming it you know bringing it to its higher octave does that make sense yeah i'm wondering so a lot of the listeners um are into astrology but for those that are like at the beginning level, um, maybe we can start out with just defining Taurus and Scorpio a little bit at a basic level and start to deepen. So Taurus, I mean, very simply like the body and physicality, um, and both Taurus and Scorpio feel very primordial to me. Like they both like Taurus can be the biological drive for sex, but Scorpio is this like deep emotional, sometimes compulsive or, um, soulful desire towards union, but together it's like, they're both very tantric signs. Um, let's see. Scorpio is a lot about power and sexuality and energy exchange. Taurus is more of the hermit. I think of the, what you were saying about healing from within and not needing to find our power from something external is I think a lesson with both of them. Um, but it's interesting because Taurus is that hermetic side of us. And sometimes we do need to bond with other things. And even through eating, eating is a very Taurus activity, but it is about exchanging energy with this food that we're Mm. having. So I think that, yeah, I'll pause there to see what do you want me to see yeah. Taurus and Scorpio? Okay. So for me, Taurus and Scorpio is what I call the tantric axes. It's like the most tantric of, yeah. of the signs, which is so beautiful. And that's why I'm so deeply passionate about it. The, the Taurus component is so powerful to me because to me, it does represent that self-sufficiency that part of us that is really knows who we are and and what we need and what we want and how to get it essentially it's the foundation of creating this this physical material sensual experience um and and again being self-sufficient and so to me it represents that aphrodite of of, of knowing that you're whole within yourself and that you don't actually need anything, but that you're open and receptive because they're both so receptive, you know? And so it's that receptivity to, to be given that which you want and need, yeah. you know, and but this not is a very it. ideal expression of Taurus too because I think think of the signs as like a light switch and they can be like all the way bright or they can be kind of dim and so Taurus that's not receptive I feel like is that like um maybe like numbing out watching tv and like eating kind of in a numb way where it's like there is that desire to feel pleasure but there's or even when it comes to things like money feeling like it's 
too scarce. It's too hard to have it and feeling that sense of like restriction and lack consciousness. Right. And also even that, you know, the more that we go through any forms of poverty, impoverishment um, on any level, that it does create some kind of trauma or conditioning in the self that if we don't open that up or like feel receptive again, it's like we keep attracting that same kind of poverty theme. Absolutely. Um, and to me, the the four of pentacles um, in the tarot deck really re- represents um, that Taurus energy that's been stagnant and it's like holding on, it's hoarding. And then that's when, to me, that channel, because the tantric channel to be receptive. Hello. Hi. Um, sorry. Yeah. Oh, is it possible to do it later? Um, in, like, in like two hours? Okay, thank you. It's the tantric channel. Yeah, so I think that so I think that Taurus really represents that that tantric channel when when we're open and we're receptive and it's it's coming in and it's feeding and then it's going out. And that usually only works if we feel that foundation, that foundation of security. And and so when Taurus is constricted or traumatized or or, you know, it's in our south node or it's in our Pluto or it's in these these places where we're really finding it um, challenged or wounded in a sense. I think that that security and that lack of trust to be okay, to survive, to be taken care of isn't isn't there. And so that hoarding, that controlling, that overemphasis on the body and overemphasis on money and physicality becomes really apparent. And that's also a place where we then push away from that tantric experience that that put, we push away from merging resources or from, you know, from partnership or so we have to like hold on to what we have, what we have and yeah. make sure, you know, and, and that's where it gets, like you said, kind of like it can be so stagnant. challenging. Like, I think, too, that it's it's often a paradigm shift for people to know that if they let go of what they're hoarding on to, they will become more abundant. Because there's that conditioning or that feeling that like, I just have to hold on to it, but not being aware of like how restricted that energy is. Right. And places, especially I have Taurus or I have second house, South Node and and Pluto. So there's like this place too for Taurus is how much would you compromise yourself for money? You know, how, how much trust do you have that you're taking care of and how much do you work and do you try to control that security and that safety of that foundation and then compromise your creativity or compromise your spiritual growth or all of these things. And so I think that I like to look at them in, in full spectrum octave. So I say like the high octave of Taurus is this tantric Aphrodite, this garden of Eden of we have what we want and we're in deep sensual and spiritual relationship like the spirit is allowed to come into the body into our relationship with the land our relationship to the animals and the plants you know that's Taurus in its in its glory you know and then Taurus in its shadow is like that that constriction and and that essentially where the spirit has died because it, it no longer trusts and it no longer lets that channel be open. And so when this 
spirit dies, then we have this over gluttony and this over emphasis on material things. And what about Scorpio? And so Scorpio is the, (laughs) the opposite of that, where it's, it's asking to deeply merge itself. It's like the part of it that's like, I am bringing that pillar of, of me and Taurus in to be in a relationship with something else. And then in the merging of those two things, it's like the shaman and the jaguar, they become one. And then they become this third thing that is, that is greater than the both of them, you know? And so Scorpio is like that merging that alchemy that has has to happen where you're like, I'm going to let go of the security of what I, of what I thought was valuable, what I thought was worthy in Taurus. I'm going to let go of, of who I think I am so that I can become something new and create that third thing. But it's just such a challenging archetype because, you know, for one, it's the scorpion, the eagle and the phoenix. It's like this <laughs> triple archetype of, of alchemy. And another, it's, it's asking, for you to let go of who you know you are to, to transform into this, this other thing. And yet in that creates such vulnerability, creates such desire, such longing, such dissolving of the self. And so in that comes betrayal and abandonment and, and losing oneself, you know, giving your power to that other one because you think that they are the portal to that third thing. And so it's a very potent archetype because almost in order to experience the higher octaves of Scorpio, as I feel, it's almost like we have to experience what it feels like to give our power away what it feels like to be betrayed by the thing that we are longing and desiring and, and, and offering ourselves to what it feels like to have that being that you merge so intimately and beautifully with be ripped from your soul. You know, it's like when I merged with my snake, I felt like we had a really scorpionic relationship for 10 years and it literally felt like she was being ripped from my spirit, like her spirit and my spirit were being ripped apart from each other. And I felt like I just lost myself, like I lost the prayer, lost everything. And it was like, actually in that losing, I was able to realize that, that my medicine and her medicine had already become one. And like her leaving didn't take that medicine away from me. I was like, I I had to embody it. I had to transform, but I also had to let the part go that I felt like held that portal, you know? Wow. Yes. And so this is, I mean, even in, in relationship, so it can be with anything that we work with, but oftentimes, uh, in the context of like romance, But whatever a person's deep core desire is, that can be a place where we develop manipulation because we're so afraid of losing. And so we'll do whatever we can to sink our claws into the thing that we want to keep, which is echoes the kind of possessiveness of Taurus. They're both they can be possessive signs. Absolutely. But Scorpio can do it from such a psychological perspective of identifying where the hooks and vulnerabilities are in the other. Like, I have this thing that you need, so you can't leave me. Um, and 
then, you know, I feel like part of the Scorpio initiation is that as we are manipulative or go through life on that manipulative path, that it kind of creates cataclysm or blows up in our face somehow. And oftentimes manipulation is super unconscious too. People might have an idea that they are really good people and they are good people. There's like this desire to be good. It's a beautiful desire that it's coming from. Yeah. (laughs) And it's yet this feeling that, you know, the worthiness of Taurus, the self-worth, if we don't have that um, super anchored into ourselves, then we have to use these kind of manipulative hooks of like, I can't be in this relationship just because I'm worthy of it, or I'm not, you know, my life isn't worthy of living if this relationship is gone. So we'll like put all the hooks in to make sure that we keep this thing, but it creates so much suffering. So I do see a pattern of very scorpionic or very plutonic people who have are profound healers, um, profound speakers, people with lots of wisdom or knowledge often have like a sordid past of some very intense events that confronted them with themselves at such a deep level that they couldn't run away from their psychology um, or their deep compulsions anymore. Right. So I really do feel like we have a scorpionically challenged culture. And what I mean when I say that is that the the birth and the death gates and the deep places of sex, money, and power, and also just our deep desires of what's actually fueling us is denied. Um, the realms of the unseen and the energetic dynamics of things are, have really been denied and refused and covered up. And so that makes it hard because it, I think brings a lot of shame um, around our desires. It brings a lot of shame and also gaslighting. So it's like a culture has gaslighted us. And so of course we gaslight one another, um, in regards to our deep desires or our subconscious processes, which are subconscious, right? Um, what do you think are some examples of that, like reality versus how it looks when it's being covered up? Um, so for example, one thing that comes to mind is just death denial, like someone who's dying or a family member who's dying and there's so much discomfort about talking about it, but perhaps not even like not really a real ceremony. Maybe some people have kind of death doula kind of stuff going on, but it can be a passage that, you know, everyone feels it and everyone's going through it. But the language or the ceremony around it is not always super present, depending on the belief systems or the culture present. Um, So, I mean, and then I guess another one that I'm wondering about is kind of, it almost, it's so interesting because I wonder if it's inherent to the archetype, like they're so powerful and they're fixed signs, both of them, that the presence of things getting lodged or stuck or stagnant and, you know, in Taurus and the volcanic kind of cataclysmic explosion of Scorpio once something has been stagnant too long, Mm -hmm. um, that a desire that is suppressed, it doesn't just disappear. It just goes into this subterranean place and it erupts either very visibly or it kind of seeps 
slowly through things and it affects what's happening on the surface, but in a way that no one's necessarily talking about or naming, unless you're a very scorpionic person. And those are the people that are just, you know, you can't fuck with them or lie to them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, actually some, some of the scorpionic people are the ones that are also in denial. Um, because the depths of which they feel and could possibly be tracking and they're not being a culture or a context that supports that. Um, and there being a lot of shame around our deep desires and our sexual energy and our motives. I think that that causes them to try to jump on the surface more than anything or try to put on a bunch of masks or, or things. Um, I just think that the level of disassociation as a whole of, um, you know, of course we have some subcultures that are really tending the birth and the death gates in a, in a more aware conscious way. Um, and you know, a lot of people trying to like start to speak to the power dynamics, you know, with, with racism and with men and women and, and different sexual dynamics happening. I think that Jupiter and Scorpio was a really big time of, of, that magnifying lens being kind of shown on right. those under underworlds with the Me Too campaign came right immediately. With yeah, just Jupiter. days after. Yeah, I was Scorpio. like, that is it. That is Jupiter and Scorpio right there. Like and then right Brene there. Brown was like huge then. Like she had been around for a little bit, but she went viral right when Jupiter went into Scorpio. Like everyone was talking about it. It was all shame and vulnerability and about our needs and and you know, there was also Black Lives Matter that really got even more um, spotlight and, and more people started to really, you know, work on themselves with this this racism and power and privilege and, and started to excavate some of these these. I mean, it's the fabric that weaves us together. And yet it's been so deeply uh, veiled uh, for so long. And and so, yeah, anyways, what I was I don't know what I was saying about that other than. I just think that it's challenging to be able to work with that when our culture has has in some ways really tried to keep it hidden. Yeah. And the disassociation in death, like even though people can feel the potency of it in rites of passage, in birth, in sex, it's like we can all feel it. But the, the maturity level in our ability to navigate it in a way that brings wholeness and doesn't fracture people more is is very limited, it seems. So I wonder if we can brainstorm then some ways to interact with these energies in this time and place, in this culture, um, that can be some kind of transformations for anyone listening to this. Um, I know already talking with you, like, my life has been changed over the last few days from some of the stuff that you have shared with me already. Um, a lot about even just the process of naming what's going on at a deeper level instead Mm. of just letting it be under the rug, which does take psychological awareness and self-trust. I think the Pluto book by Jeffrey Wolf Green is one of my favorite astrology books because it just details so many different permutations and varieties of psychological like deep complexes that it was an x-ray vision that forever changed my life reading that book so I do think there's certain initiations medicine ceremonies like deep work that we can go through that is going to enhance our laser vision our self-trust but 
yeah, what are some things that you think that we can do to start to live in a more Taurus Scorpio, higher vibration way? Mm. Well, some of the things that you just mentioned as, as like Jeffrey Wolfgreen and, and Mark Jones healing of the soul, I think, I think learning how to, to dance these archetypes and these, and these elemental energies and, and desires in a, in a way that, that is accessible to us on a daily basis is really powerful. I think that finding to me, finding ways where I can consciously feed my Taurus that I know, okay, this is what she wants. Like, how do I give roots and stability and, and, and how am I aware of, of how I'm creating my, my body as a temple and my, and my home and my relationship to the earth as a temple and, and finding ways where that physical garden essentially around me is, is feeding me in return is nourishing my spirit so that I'm drawing that, that pillar of worthiness and, and that creating that value system that really reflects my spirit. Wow. I want to pause you there too, because you're bringing in the connection to the earth and like the garden of earth to this. So why does that matter for Taurus? Why is that Taurus? Yeah. And why does it matter for us to connect with the earth in that way? Right. I feel like Taurus to me rules the garden of Eden. It's that Venusian experience of how, I mean, we are bodies, we are creating this, this experience and this relationship with the earth. And to me, to bring spirit and to build that bridge is what that healthy relationship looks like is, you know, when does your home reflect how you feel? Does your body reflect how you feel? How do you, how do you show and treat your body in the way that shows what you, what you value? You know, they always say, you know, if you look at a culture and you look at its art, you'll be able to tell what it values. You know, it's like, how are we creating our life as art? And to me that, that going back to that relationship with the earth, it's the, the earth's waters and the earth. Her, her sexual energy of flowers and fruits and blossoms and and the serpents and and all of them really is it, it is a, a microcosm of us you know she's essentially yeah. the macrocosm <laughs> we're actually the microcosm but like that that is the the embodiment of our health like we our waters are not going to be purified if if the waters of the earth aren't healthy they are not flowing, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm taking a class for grad school. That's my last credit. It's online at this point, but it's about living systems and it's talking about how there's all these different living systems embedded in other living systems and that there's all these different micro macro fractal things going on with our own bodies and the remarkable similarity of how um, certain networks underneath the ground look like neural networks, um, or how like the insects on the planet are kind of like the microbiome of the gut of the planet, you know, that there's these different fractals of our absolutely. I mean, if you look at the rivers and the way that they're moving and we dam them up and the way that, you know, the meridians of the body work and, 
and the way that we put streets and buildings in inappropriate places and how that feels inside of our bodies. Like we, we can feel the way that our body feels when we don't have acupuncture and we have been sitting in fluorescent lights and at a desk all the time. Like you, you can start to feel how bound up that makes it. You can always, you can also feel that when you move into a city or into a house that has been built by someone that's not aware of the way that energy needs to move. And so to me, that relationship with the earth is, is just so, it's so direct and, and yeah. And so then what about the Scorpio side of things? Right. And I also think just going back a little bit to the Taurus, just to bring it into the Scorpio is that Taurus to me is all about self-sufficiency and bringing ourselves into personal power and in alignment with our, you know, our spirit in alignment with our physical body and garden (laughs) in a sense. Um, because that's a, if you, if you have your sense of power and worthiness, I feel it shouldn't be taking from others. It should be actually supporting others to be in their power. And that also means a direct harmonious relationship with that plant. Like, am I taking from her so she can give me her essence and then I take it for my whatever, whatever thing? Or are we in alignment? Are we listening to how, just like if I'm going to make love to a woman, am I taking, am I going in and getting what I want? Or are we actually in a courtship, you know, where what I'm giving and what she's giving is, is, is creating that, you know, harmonious, merging of power and that's where I think it goes into to Scorpio is like that's the merging you know Taurus is coming from the place of equal power equal worthiness and and where it's then coming together I wish that the podcast could see my hands (laughs) um but yeah where where the energies are coming together is that relationship of Scorpio I feel and so if they're coming from a place of seedy, manipulative or stagnancy or constriction and a place of I am not worthy. So I need to merge with you in order to get worthy and all these places that we see in these lower octaves of, of what we've described of these archetypes. I feel like that's where we have disease. You know, it's some yeah. of the ways where you naturally described how Taurus or Scorpio moves is like so how bacteria and like mold and these different, you know, cancers and things move too. And so it's just interesting, like where we don't have things in their, in their high octave and in their glory, in their unfoldment, you know, yeah. then we have disease, then we have power fights, struggles, you know? Yeah, this is so interesting because it it's making me think of the whole fixed grand cross and like bringing in the heart, you know, bringing in Aquarius too of like empowerment to the whole network, not just to some. Um, but the heart in terms of, you know, if we really knew how worthy we were, we wouldn't have to steal energy from others or other right. people, uh, you know, parts of the planet. And this also just... Uh, surfaced uh, a kind of a thought, I don't know what to call it because it's a memory, but it's a string of memories, I guess. Um, Stanislav Grof would call that a coex system, like a system of condensed experiences. But I know that when I get into a place of 
tantric states, deep pleasure or deep levels of self-worth that all this stuff comes up to the surface, like all the shame or the guilt or memories of bad things that have happened in the past. And in that moment, I have a choice to feel overpowered by that and constrict again. But I'm so I think of it so astrologically that it's like, of course, while I'm doing this Taurus thing of self-love, all the stuff is going to come up. And so that's a chance to love it, to let it go, to alchemize it, to shift it. But I think that it's such a challenge there um, if you don't have that framework, because if I didn't, you know, I know before I found astrology that whenever I would get into these like ecstatic kind of states that the psychology that it brought up in those ecstatic states was not something I necessarily knew how to deal with. Um, so it's interesting how it's like, you don't have to necessarily be in the jungle, um, or having like a medicine ceremony or something like that to have a very internal jungle come up. If you're in a peak experience, ecstatic pleasure state. Um, and one of the things with Taurus that I really like to kind of help people with or share this information is that we will have pleasure ceilings or have a sense of things can only get so good. And part of that mm. is the fear of, you know, loss or whatever, if we get something that would be too disastrous to lose. But I think it's also the fear of burning off all those little inner demons that come up when we enter our own garden. Mm. Absolutely. I, I just love this language so much. Like as you're speaking, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Like, I love that you bring in the grand cross because it's almost like, how do we talk about Taurus and Scorpio without bringing in Leo Aquarius? Because, <laughs> you know, for one, Uranus is in Taurus. And so there's this, this extra kind of bring, you know, Uranus rules Aquarius. And so there's this beautiful journey that we have right now that is bringing this consciousness, this, this higher Uranian electric, finely tuned nervous system kind of consciousness into our body. And though things are trapped a lot in our organs and our tissues, also that trauma is in our nervous system. It's very much in our psyche and in our nervous system. And so being able to work with the body and, you know, with the, the very physical parts of the body along with the nervous system and deal with those generations of trauma that we've experienced and, and tucked away and the, the tendency towards disassociation, you know, where we find that is, is such a Uranian and, and Aquarian thing is, is disassociation and, and dealing with the fracture of the self and the psyche and that really sensitive nervous system that holds that trauma. And to me, it's directly related to the Taurus and Scorpio, you know, like what we disassociate from is the deep, dark depths of our scorpionic desires and that trauma of abandonment and betrayal and all the things that go with Scorpio. And then also in that is that deep fear of not surviving and, and not being okay and not being worthy on our own. And then we have Leo, which is the medicine I think for it all, you know, which is like, can we, can we let it happen in, in this way of creating art, 
creating transcendence, you know, opening up to if, if we know our worth in Taurus and we know our security, then we can open up into Leo to create, to, to let laugh. that spirit. Yeah. <laughs> to let the joy and the authenticity flow. And then if we can do that, then we bring the, all of that juice, all that medicine of, of us being in our, in our pure essence to that scorpionic desire for relationship. Yeah. Sometimes I think of, um, like when people, even two people or a group start like belly laughing together and they're just like cracking up over something. I actually feel the energetics in the room are very similar to sex. Like there's an energy exchange and like a alchemical process happening just by laughter. Um, I've noticed it quite a bit it's like the lights that i see really like get intense when there's like deep laughter right they just like stay in the air and flicker and the peak experience is even bigger it's one of my favorite things i love that you bring that up because actually to me that laughter it's amazing when you're by yourself of course but how good is it when you actually merge your laughter with another person and you start to feed off of one another and go higher and higher and bigger and you know you can go into such a peak state by laughing and looking into each other's eyes like hysterically and that to me is like leo scorpio it totally is (laughs) right It is Leo Scorpio. And I do feel like there's that Scorpio side of Leo that wants to get a rise out of other people. Like if you can make another person laugh, like I know Scorpio, like it's so associated with sex because it's like this ability to give another person a peak experience. Like you're so attuned Mm. to them. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's what I like about it. (laughs) And like you can, yeah, like bring someone like the Kundalini up in them and like bring them to orgasm like that's a very powerful thing to do for another person but if you can make another person laugh um or like change the expression on someone's face in an instant it's a very leo very scorpio at the same time yes i like that you bring that up (laughs) because it's also about not just allowing you know you being the person that gives them that experience or that triggers and initiates it there's also the other part of it that to let somebody hit you to let somebody laugh and then you receive it and be raptured by it is also such a beautiful part of that you know that receptivity part of being raptured and seduced yes so that is the taurus receptivity part of it too because scorpio can be that like ecstatic sexual experience with another and Taurus can be some of the inner preparation that we do to be ready for those kinds of experiences and to like level up or get deeper into the experiences that we're already having. Right. Um, This is interesting. This is like a tangent, but it comes to mind that there's something really sticky about telling women to smile. Like it's, kind of annoying right Mm. or there's like uh there's something a social conditioning of like we should be smiling and and sweet and polite yeah and so having like some man on the street tell you to smile like I always sense an edge there and I have this really interesting experience of like um different times that that happens to me in my life like sometimes it is really gross feeling and other times it's hilarious and I break out into a huge smile and my whole day is made right and it's like not the um 
tangible thing that's happening on the surface. It's some of the deeper magnetism and intentionality that is going into it, I believe. Um, Absolutely. And a sense too, yeah, like where it's coming from, but it's so, it's so subtle. And I've just, I track it because every time that I get that message from someone to smile, it's like a whole slideshow of how that's inappropriate and traumatic and whatever, like all of that comes up to the surface. But I make a choice in that moment of how I feel in the moment and Mm. it's different every time. And so I just, and I have experiences like that every day of just like all my interactions with people. You know, I can be in kind of like a basic mundane state, but I'm a highly psychic person and I'm a plutonic person. So most of my interactions, there's like a, a subterranean level that's happening. And right. I think, too, that being a psychic person or being aware of those power dynamics, I also know how to be less receptive in certain moments if I'm not you know, familiar with a place, um, I might have more of a guard as I'm walking through the street and not just be so open and permeable. But if I'm in like a, a party or something and I, it's a community that I'm familiar with, those guards are going to be different and the intimate conversations are going to be more prevalent. Um, so it just is interesting to kind of navigate life through that Taurus Scorpio. And when I first started studying evolutionary astrology, I became a lot more aware of what energies I had inside of me that I was potentially leaking out into the environment, you know, ways that I was maybe not giving myself a certain experience and projecting it onto others, like wanting others to be something for me or not being aware of my own power and projecting that power onto others and starting to really kind of take ownership, Taurus, so that I don't have to project all this kind of stuff. But I think it's such an interesting, subtle dance to be aware of Taurus and Scorpio in your day-to-day life and your day-to-day interactions. Absolutely. And I do think that you bring up such a a beautiful analogy. It's not even like one that I would have even thought of, of, of somebody asking you to smile, but it goes perfect with you're seeing in that moment, you have the opportunity to receive that invitation and open your boundaries or, or be taken on a journey in a sense and opening into a different state of mind or whatever it is that they're inviting you to do. But you're also bringing up the point of where is it coming from inside of them? And I think that that's a really important, important. I think that's in a really important point of of Scorpio is, are you coming from a place of worth? Are they coming from a place of worthiness and, and their own ability to have that connection with their own source and their own power and their own sexual energy or whatever it is. If they're coming to you to get it, then that's going to feel different. And that's where I think a lot of women, you know, find that resistance or, you know, you know, we want to push away because we feel the expectations or we feel the neediness or the addiction or whatever it is. And so finding those places, like you were mentioning of, of being able to take the responsibility and take your own, hold yourself, hold the container for your boundaries and your own relationship to spirit and your sexual energy to be fueling and, and regenerating itself by yourself. And then where we can consciously inspire inside of Scorpio and, and consciously like, you know, merge and, and alchemize our energies comes from having that, that awareness and that's 
and that connection to ourself. Yes. And that's when I think Scorpio can really be brought into its, into its light, you know? And I think right now we just haven't experienced a whole lot of that. You know, we find these conscious parties and we try to find these like tantric places so we can try to like work it out, but it's still coming from all these places that have been shamed and repressed. And and so we're like opening up to psychedelics and we're opening up to our meditations and our ability to astral project and, and kind of navigate the, the energy and the spirit realm. But that actually calls us into integrity even more so yeah like how where are we coming from when we're astral projecting and how are we implanting you know those those parts of our desires or those those projections of of what we want into other people or trying to to tap into their source of divinity or their sexual energy in order to inspire ours you know are we coming from that that regenerative fulfilled place or are we coming from a space of neediness and addiction (laughs) this is really interesting and i want to kind of ground into this a little bit when we talk about astral projecting and the experiences that we have on that level actually being real so this isn't just fantasy because i think that there is a kind of mainstream feeling that what happens in your own mind is private it's not like real in some sense Mm -hmm. and so you can kind of fantasize about anything and you're not actually merging but Mm -hmm. you can like everything your energy and your intentions to someone and so this adds a really interesting layer to things because scorpio like scorpio merges like that's its thing and (laughs) we can merge with fantasy or things on the astral level but the um, ethics of that space I don't find spoken about that often because there's a small population of people that are actively engaging with the astral realm. And, you know, not a lot of people even necessarily believe in it. Um, But I can say just even from experience of having found my way into the astral realm or like having experiences with other people, even in the astral realm, that I was initiated through experience. I didn't have a guidebook. No one sat me down and was like, hey, this is real and these are the rules, you know? Right. So I just Which kind would of. would be helpful. <laughs> and so I, yeah, it's been a big part of my path to learn kind of about that space and know that it has the same ethical rules that this plane does. So I wonder if there's mm-hmm. more you can say about, about that. Mm. So I forgot to mention at the intro to this episode that this is a two-part episode. We went on talking for around two hours and where we're stopping now, we begin to talk about the astral plane and start to weave in Leo and Aquarius to talk about Taurus and Scorpio. So catch the second part of this episode next week. I hope you enjoyed Again, please leave a review on iTunes, take a screenshot and email that over to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com. I will be leaving the links to Arakai's YouTube channel in the show notes. 
and come connect with me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. I am posting a lot more content there these days and I love interacting with you there. If you're listening to the podcast, I love it when I see a screenshot of the podcast episode that you're listening to, maybe with some quotes or what you got out of it on an Instagram story, tag me in it so that way I can see it. And I hope that you have a great rest of your week and have a lot to chew on, which is kind of a Taurus word when thinking about this axis and how it may be activated in your life. It's certainly an ongoing You know, the thing I love with astrology is that as we get to know these archetypes, we just unfold layers of them infinitely. Same with studying the natal chart. It's like for 10 years, I didn't know that I had moon square Jupiter. Just didn't see it. (laughs) It added this like other layer of something to think about. So when it comes to Taurus and Scorpio, it's like you start out learning about the basics, the personality traits, and then it becomes a deep, spiritual, mysterious journey. All right, sending my love, your soul family. I love you. Be blessed. <laughs>